Well, good morning, everyone. Hey, it is so good to have all of you joining us today, and it's a great day for you to join us because it is so rainy outside, and I think you're going to enjoy today. And if you read my email on Friday, you know that we had planned to start a new series about what to do in the waiting seasons of life because all of us have been really in a waiting season of life. But in light of current events, by Friday evening, I felt like we had to change the topic. And so instead of today, we're starting a brand new series entitled The Not-So-United States of America. And I just want to thank the team that helped me. Some of them worked late in the night, Friday night, and a lot on Saturday to put this whole series and this package together. And so thank you so much. We have a great team. You can applaud them in your homes right now because they did an amazing job. But here's the reason that we're starting this series right now. Because I think all of us would agree that our nation is in great turmoil. The, the division and the issues that currently exist in our country right now, they are deep and they are damaging to the point that they may make us uncomfortable, but that doesn't mean that we should ignore them. So regardless of what you believe about God or what your political views are or where you live, everyone, don't miss this, everyone is eventually affected by injustice. And here's the thing. If you're a Christ follower, we have a God-given responsibility to address injustice whenever we encounter, encounter it. Because here's why. The gospel, the message of Jesus that has been entrusted to us, it holds a solution. And, and while it may be risky to kind of talk about something this emotionally charged, here's what I know. And it can even be uncomfortable. I am convinced that whenever the message of Jesus can bring hope and healing and unity our, to our communities, we have a responsibility as followers of Jesus Christ to talk about it. So we're going to tackle it. We're going to tackle some topics that are going to make us uncomfortable. And I'm just telling you, this series is going to challenge you. It's going to challenge me. Specifically, it's going to challenge our beliefs. It's going to challenge our assumptions and it's going to challenge our behavior. And because our identities are often based on our beliefs and our assumptions and our behaviors, here's what you're going to find. And here's what I find myself as I've been putting this together. We're going to find ourselves resisting some of what we learn, some of what we hear. But here's what I want to do. I want to encourage you to pay attention to the resistance. Don't let the resistance win and cause you to ignore this conversation for these next few weeks. Instead, what I'd like to challenge you to do is to stop and evaluate why you're resisting and then be open to addressing any beliefs or any assumptions or any behaviors that may conflict with what Jesus teaches. Now, now many of you may be sitting there thinking, or maybe you've already decided that this series is going to be political in nature. And then we're going to be pushing some political agenda because of the title package. And here's the reason some of you are thinking that. If some of you are very political, so you listen to anything you hear through Republican ears or Democratic ears. So let me just go ahead and save you the time, all of you to save you the time of guessing where Paul stands on this series. Here's where I stand. I don't view the world through a political party. And here's why. There's several reasons. First, I grew up Mennonite. And if you know anything about Mennonites, that had a bit of big effect on me at not seeing the world through a political party. See, we were taught that the hope of the world was not the government, but the hope of the world was the gospel. And I've held on to that, and I still believe that. It's why I believe the church is the hope of the world, and we find hope through the gospel. 
So as I grew up, I learned, hey, the hope of the world is through the gospel. That's the hope of the world, not the government. So that was the first reason. I'm not political. I don't even really know what party I'm registered in right now. Um, but I think I am registered because I get to vote. But the reality is um, there's another reason. That is this. Think about this. Nobody dies and steps into a political party. Nobody dies and steps into Washington, D.C. When people die, they step into eternity. And that's why I've made my life mission to introduce people to God's grace and invite them into God's purpose for their lives. So I've chosen not to devote myself to politics. I have no political agenda. I feel like I have a much more important one. And I believe our church has a much more important one than politics. It's why our mission as a church is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And the key word in our mission is people, which means when we say that we are for people, in our communities, we mean that we are for everyone, no matter their race or their gender. So now that I've got everybody's attention on this rainy day, let me start with something that I think maybe we can all re agree on, regardless of whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or an independent or libertarian or whatever it may, may think you are. I, I think that we can all agree on this, that what's best for people is what's best. Now, now, we may disagree on what's best for people. You may be thinking one thing is best, and I may think another thing is best. But I think we agree that what's best for people is what's best. Now, an easy way to kind of understand this, if you think of parenting as this, is a mom and a dad, they may sometimes disagree on what's best for their children. But they have the same goal. They both want what is best for their children. And here's why that matters to us. As Christ followers, we should take this statement to a whole nother level because we believe that God created everyone in his image and that all people are born with dignity and incredible value because all people are made by and they're unconditionally loved by God. So we say this as Christ followers, everyone has inherent value and nobody should be mistreated or discriminated against. That should be the guiding principle of every Christ follower. Everybody has inherent value and nobody should be mistreated or discriminated against. And here's why that perspective is so important. If people are highly valued by God, then everybody deserves to be treated with dignity and respect and honor. But here's the thing, if people are only valuable, if the government says they're valuable, or if they just believe the right thing, or they make a certain amount of money, or they look a certain way, or they act a certain way, what you always end up with, and don't miss this, this is so important, what you always end up with is power struggles and violence and oppression. See, anytime we move away from God giving people value and dignity and seeing people based on the, that they were created in the image of God, we always end up in a power struggle and oppression and violence. So here's the big question of the day. How do we value, how do we honor the dignity of every person? How do Democrats value Republicans? And how do Republicans honor the dignity of Democrats? How, how do whites honor blacks and, and Hispanics and vice versa? How, how do we talk about difficult issues and issues in which we may disagree without being disrespectful? 
Well, today we want to begin to answer some of those questions by looking at the teaching of a first century Jewish Christian. He was a Christ follower by the name of James. Now, James was the leader of the very first Christian church in Jerusalem, and he was considered by his peers to be a man of great wisdom. And maybe that was because James was the brother of Jesus, meaning that he had this personal relationship with Jesus. He knew Jesus up close and personal. He heard what Jesus taught. He he saw how Jesus treated people. But something else you need to understand is the world that James lived in, it was one that was characterized by division. It was the poor and the rich, the religious and the pagan, the Jew and the Gentile. In fact, political and racial and culture tensions were as high in James's day, if not higher than they are today. So James, seeing all this division in his world and even in the church, he wrote a letter to Jewish Christians who were scattered throughout the Roman Empire. And here is the surprising advice that he gave them. Now, here's the thing. If you're not a Christ follower today, you're under no obligation to follow this. But you need to understand something. This is great advice, and it will make our world so much better. But here's what James says to those of us who are Christ followers. He says, here's what you need to do. James chapter 1, verse 19, he says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone, so there's no exemption here. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And I'm sure the people that are reading what James has written to them in their day, they're thinking, James, you don't really expect us to do this with all those Romans who are so wrong about everything. We don't need to listen to them. We already know that they are wrong. And James comes back and he says, no, every one of you, You should be quick to listen. You should be slow to speak. And you should even be slower to become angry toward the people with whom you disagree. Now, don't want you to miss this. See, part of the reason that we are so divided right now as a nation is because it's become acceptable even by people who call themselves followers of Christ to do the exact opposite of what James says. Our culture is filled with people who are slow to listen, quick to speak, and even quicker to become angry. In fact, in our culture, you could say the formula is this. It's quickly become angry, quickly speak, and never listen. And let's just be honest. Too often, that's us as Christ followers, isn't it? Like, we shout at people instead of listening to them, and when we do listen, we aren't really listening. We're just waiting for our turn to speak. See, that's what has become the norm in America today. Everybody is out to just shout at each other and to make a point, and nobody listens to each other. In fact, turn on your favorite news channel. I don't care which one it is. They're all just trying to make a point. None of them are trying to bring unity. None of them are trying to be quick to listen. They're all just making a point. Open up your social media feed. Like whatever you read or whatever you look at, it's full of people trying to make a point. Go to your feed and look at what you've posted lately. Think about what you've said recently. Maybe all you're trying to do is make a point. 
To which you say, absolutely, I'm trying to make a point because I'm right. Maybe you are. Maybe you aren't. So James comes along in the middle of a world filled with tension, racial divide, violence. He says, as followers of Christ, you ought to try a different approach. He says, you should be quick to listen. You should be slow to speak. And you should even be slower to become angry, quick to listen, slow to speak. Listen a lot more than you talk, because if you do, you'll be slow to become angry. You know why you'll be slow to become angry? Because you'll begin to understand the other person. You may not necessarily agree, but you begin to understand. Now, let's zero in on the first phrase here in this verse. Why should we be quick to listen? For starters, listening is a powerful way to show someone that you value them. See, when I listen to you, I'm demonstrating to you that I care about you. I'm communicating to you that you as a person, you as an individual, you matter to me more than just what you believe. I'm showing you that I want to understand and see life from your point of view, not just get you to see from my point of view. And here's the thing, I can't do that when I am quick to speak. See, when I'm quick to speak, it's because I want to make a point. When I'm quick to speak, it's because I'm not interested in understanding how you see things. I just want you to see how I see them. Like, I want you to see I'm right, you're wrong, and I can prove it. But I want you to understand something. There is nothing respectful or valuing about making a point. In fact, here's what we know. People who make a point, they never make a difference. You know why? Because even if you're right, but you treat other people wrong, then you're wrong. If you're right, but you refuse to treat someone else with dignity and value, then you've lost your chance to make a difference. You've lost your chance to build a bridge that delivers dignity and value and creates unity. And so James comes along and he says, do you really want to know what makes a difference? He says, here's what makes a difference. Be quick to listen. Because listening, it allows you to see things from the point of view of the other person. It allows you to see what it's like to be on the other side of me. When you listen well, it's like sitting on the other side of the table and putting yourself in the shoes of another person. And guess what happens when you listen? You find that you have more in common than you have differences. And and you can build a relationship on what you have in common. See, listening... It helps you to recognize that while we may not agree on what's best for people, we both agree that's what what is best for people is what is best. In fact, I think a great example of the power of listening was Sarah Silverman, who was a comedian that supported Bernie Sanders before he dropped out of the race and then Hillary Clinton in the last presidential election. And she made this statement in a discussion afterwards with Frank Rick about her relationship with Trump supporters as she traveled around the country trying to find people of varying political and culture opinions for Hulu's show, I Love You, America. Here's what she says. Listen to this. When you're one-on-one with someone who doesn't agree with you 
or whose ideology is different than yours. When you're face to face, your porcupine needles go down. The surprise was, I fell in love with them. I had a great time with them, and I felt comfortable. Why, why in the world could that happen? Because when she listened, those opposite of her in a political party, they, they move from just being people as a group, those people, to being individuals again. Individuals who matter, individuals that there was more in common maybe than what was imagined in the first place. Don't miss this. It is so much easier to vilify some group than some one. And this is so true. I mean, you can vilify and you can demonize and you can generalize a group. You, you say things like those rich people or all those people who live in that neighborhood, those people on welfare, those Republicans, those Democrats, those blacks, those whites, those Hispanics, those Asians. Asians. You can vilify a group, but it is much more difficult to vilify someone when you see them for who they are. When you see their humanity, especially when you remember that every person you encounter is a person that Jesus Christ died for. He values them so much, even the way they're living right now, that he died for them. Listen, when you sit across the table from someone and you listen to their story, you get to know them, you hear their point of view, you, you find yourself understanding where they're coming from, and, and you just might become, are, are you ready for this? You might just become, just like Sarah Silverman, friends with them. Now, some of you are sitting here thinking, I don't think I could do that. I mean, if I listen to them, they, they may think I'm agreeing with them. Don't miss this. You're not listening just because you agree. You're listening because they're a valuable human being and you're showing them dignity. You're listening because you value the person more than you value your opinion or your political position. And you're listening because you've made the right decision to never choose a view, a position over valuing a person. See, people matter more than views or positions. So you don't make a difference by making a point. You don't make a difference by getting mad and shouting at people at how wrong they are. You make a difference by listening, which is why James goes on to say, he says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Don't miss this. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. This is James' way of saying it, that anger, human anger, it never brings about a healthy change in you or in others. Anger, it doesn't help you. It doesn't help other people live the kind of righteous life that God Desires. Now, what, what does James mean when he talks about human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires? 
Here's what it means. It means that a righteous life is a life full of the qualities that Jesus had. It's a life that is full of the qualities of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. And couldn't our country use a whole lot more of this right now? Wouldn't our communities be better if we filled up our communities with these fruit of the Spirit? Wouldn't it be so much better? And wouldn't we be able to unite if we all demonstrated this? And we know the answer, absolutely. And here's what I want to tell you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it's your calling to be this. It's your calling to show this. It's your calling to live this every day. God did not put you here to make a point. He put you here to make a difference. And this, living this out, is how we make a difference in the world. And James is basically saying, if we get this wrong, if we don't get this right, No matter how right you are, you're still wrong. In fact, notice how he says this in James chapter 1, verse 26. He says, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue or in the 21st century, if he was writing, he might have said thumbs. He says, if you don't keep a tight rein on your tongue or your thumbs, you deceive yourself and your religion is worthless. Literally, he says, if you claim to follow Jesus, but you use your words to hurt, not to help, he says, then your religion, your faith, it's worthless. And here's the thing, don't get mad at me. I didn't say this. James, the brother of Jesus did. So for all of us who follow Jesus, how are you doing at being quick to listen? slow to speak and slow to become angry. How how are you doing at controlling your tongue? How are you doing at controlling your thumbs? Are you gossiping? Do you know what gossip is? Gossip is why the rumor mill is running out of control in our nation and, and you can't get any clear perspective because see, gossip, it always creates division. Gossip always slants things to one side or the other side. See, gossip is when you talk about something with someone who's neither part of the problem or solution. Listen, every time you gossip, whether it's with your tongue or your thumbs, you are creating disunity. And when you gossip, James says, your religion, your faith is worthless. How about this? Do you demean people with your words? Do you demean people by the labels that you put on them? I've heard this over the last few weeks so many times that it's made me want to throw up. I heard statements like, all those people are idiots or all those people are a bunch of thugs. Listen, when you are demeaning toward others, James says, listen, your religion, your faith It is worthless. What about your social media pages? Are your social media pages filled with pronouncements where you're shouting at people trying to make a point? Do you find yourself arguing with people often? Do you vilify like whole groups of people? James says, if you do that, your religion, your faith, it's worthless. How about this? Do you have some subtle 
or not so subtle racial biases? Do you got some racism rattling around in your heart? And when you see people of a certain race, you just make an assumption about them and, and their character. Listen, James says, when you make assumptions and you have prejudice, James says, I want you to understand something. Your, your religion, it's worthless. It is absolutely worthless. Listen, the starting point to a reunited states of America is to stop trying to make a point and start making a difference. And the starting point of making a difference is getting back to this foundational belief that everybody has inherent value and nobody should be mistreated or discriminated against. See, the starting point, James says, is to listen, to understand, not to try to make a point to be understood. It's to stop vilifying and it's to start sitting across the table and it's to start having conversations with people who you view things differently. See, it's what Jesus modeled when he was here on the earth. And it's what James, his brother, instructed us to do. He says, listen, I want you to be quick to listen. I want you to be slow to speak. And I want you to be even slower to become angry. So this week, here's our challenge for you. Will you pay attention to the words coming out of your mouth and the thoughts rattling around in your mind? And when you find yourself thinking or saying or writing something, something that demeans the inherent God-given value and dignity of somebody else, would you stop? Would you just come before God and would you repent before God and say, God, in this moment, I repent to you. I need you to change my heart. I am sorry that I have devalued what you have created and you valued enough to die for them on the cross. God, I repent. I want to be a person of change for good in our nation. And then after you repent, would you be quick to listen? Because James says, quick to listen, slow to speak, and even slower to become angry. That is the first step toward unity. And it's the loving thing to do. Now, this is step one. I want to challenge you to do that this week. And um, next week, we'll give you step two. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, as I've been processing this for the last two weeks, what I've discovered is the challenge is not out there. The real challenge of all of this is in here, in my heart, in my mind. God, I thank you for showing me in conversations that I've had with people over these last few weeks, individual conversations, 
But there are beliefs, there are assumptions, there are behaviors that were so wrong. And God, I've, I've repented of those before you and now this church. I do that as well. And God, I, I just pray that you take us all on a path of living to understand, as James called us to, quick to listen. God, we repent as Christ followers of being quick to become angry without understanding and then quick to spout something off to make a point and never listen. God, forgive us and heal our land. But I understand it starts with us. So, so help us to look deep with inside of us because God, we're all prejudiced. We all have our biases. We all have our assumptions and God, we need your help to heal those so we can heal our country. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the message of Jesus Christ. Thank you that we have hope. No matter what our leaders do, no matter what the government does, I thank you that we have hope because when we fill our world up with love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and kindness and meekness and self-control, things get right. So help us to begin to take responsibility for ourselves. And God, through relationships that we build as we take responsibility, I thank you that you're going to heal our land. You're going to heal our communities. And that's what we want. That's what we're praying for. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks so much for being with us today. Um, I really want you to lean into this. Challenge, challenge yourself. Don't, don't push away. Lean into it because here's what you'll discover. God will take you to new places of understanding your relationship with him, but he'll take you to new places of understanding your relationship with other people in ways that you'll never imagine. I'll tell you some about that next week. Have a great day.